Are you thinking about starting a podcast but don't know where to start? Let me take a second to tell you about Anchor by Spotify. It's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast across a plethora of listening platforms such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, all the big ones. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, completely free. If you're thinking about starting a podcast, do yourself a favor and check out anchor.fm or download the app to get started. Hey everyone, if you're enjoying Increase of Our Reality, I'd really appreciate it if you could drop a review or a rating and I'll give you a shout out on the show. While you're at it, come join the Telegram group and follow the show on Instagram and across social media. If you'd like to support the show, check me out over on Patreon for early access to Inquiries of Our Reality and Big Dumb Inquiries, which is the Swapcast show I co-host with Kyle Rainey of the Big Dumb Podcast. If you'd like to pick up some merch, come check out the merch store. If you want to help me out to upgrade my equipment and pump out even more awesome content for you guys, come donate over on Anchor. Or Kofi. And last but not least, if anyone is interested in being a guest on the show, sponsoring the show, has a topic they want covered, or you feel you have something to contribute to the show, send me an email at inquiriesofourrealitypodcast at outlook.com. All the links I mentioned are in the show description. Just tap or click the link tree link to be directed. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate you, and I couldn't be doing this without you. Now enjoy the show. The reality we live in can be a very strange place. Most of the time, fact being stranger than fiction. How we ever start to understand this reality we live in unless we question everything. Join me and a guest as we unravel the mysteries of this reality, one topic at a time. This is Inquiries of Our Reality with Shane Jones. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the 43rd episode of Inquiries of Our Reality. Today with me, I have Cosmic Marauder from America Unhinged Radio and YouTube channel. How's it going, bro? Good, man. How are you doing tonight, Shane? Thanks for having me on. I'm doing not too bad myself, man. Glad to have you on the show. Yeah, for sure. Super stoked to be here talking some false flags, but you can also find my podcast on Spotify, podcastindex.org, and like 10 other platforms. But So I guess for the listeners that haven't already heard of you, like your podcast and your YouTube channel, you want to give them a little bit of background on it and what you do? Sure. I'm, I've been trying to navigate the bands ever since I got started. I got started in November 2020, so most people know it's a horrible time to start a YouTube channel <laughs> gain any traction. But um, yeah, I've dealt with that. I kept my YouTube going. I have about 560 subscribers on my main and 60 plus on my backup. And now the podcast going where I could put up some of the spicier subjects that I know one day get banned off of YouTube. And there's several on there, so that's why... I feel like you always got to have an audio only as well these days. Yeah, definitely is like a backup. And then at least it goes across multiple platforms rather than just being on one. So if you get pulled off one, you're still up on a couple other platforms. I feel like it's only a matter of time before Spotify starts like chopping, chopping a few here and there and I don't even notice it, you know? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised or put like false information on everybody's podcast, even without listening to it, just because I know the <laughs> realm of like what the podcast is about. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> but uh, one thing I always like to ask my guests too, um, one, what got you started going on your on your your uh, YouTube channel and your podcast? And also, what would you say was like your red pill moment that uh, you started realizing things and wanting to figure things out for your own? Oh, man, that's a good question. Um, what got me started in podcasting was basically like I kind of like had a weird crisis at work when I was about like 31, 32. I tore the rest of my 
knee up. I had to go through like some serious surgery. Um, took some time away from work. I luckily hit up some stocks. So like I doubled up on the money I invested and was able to pay for the surgery just miraculously within a few months. I feel like it was a sign, but um you know, I came back, I kind of lost my position at my job. I kind of had to start again in a different department just due to like different chaotic things happening. And I really needed an outlet. I didn't have a hobby going or anything like that. And I just, you know, I had so much negativity going on like inside me and I feel like at work and all around me, I was just, I was just like, you know what, let's, you know, I got to work on myself a little bit and get, get something going for myself. Um, the red pill moment is like actually quite funny for me. There is one moment that sticks up in my mind in particular, but I think it's kind of indicative of where a lot of people are at. But I remember working at this brewery called El Republic up in Cedar Crest, New Mexico. It's a tiny little mountain town, like 9,000 feet up in the mountains, like 20 minutes outside of Albuquerque. Dead brewery just getting started. And they had an election night party because one of the folks there was kind of like high up in the party here so Hmm. there's obviously a lot of democrats there that night and you know i'm not going to be crazy and lie like in 2016 i wasn't really too knowledgeable in terms of like really deep goings on but i mean i kind of made a lazy vote for hillary i was just like fuck it let's see what happens with this crazy guy right (laughs) i enjoy the chaos of it and to be there that night and watch everybody's like minds change and face like like as the hours went by well i didn't have so much of a vested interest in it at the beginning you know it was like a really fascinating character study and just what the what the left would become <laughs> what what's happening today and like i was like wow they really like lost their damn minds over this guy i thought it was for fun you know i thought it was like fun <laughs> i was like i can't wait to see this like we get an experiment you know but what happened, the backlash after that, um, what they did to Bernie subsequently, you know, post all that stuff, I kind of made me red pilled. I'm a registered libertarian now from independent to libertarian. I'm not sure if I'm ever going to vote again nationally, but, um, you know, I think voting locally and statewide is still worthwhile. But I don't know. That's kind of that was kind of my red pill moment in a nutshell. In terms of conspiracies and stuff, I was always the weird kid running out or yeah running out bigfoot and ufo books in the library at six years old you know 1994 that was me i'll say i'm exactly the same when it comes to that kind of stuff so i was in the conspiracy realm before i was like fully in the conspiracy realm uh kind of funny i feel like the main two red pill moments for everybody that i've asked is uh like you share the same red pill moment as the co-host that i have on my other show uh big dumb inquiries where he said it was pretty much just watching everybody's reaction after it, it was announced that trump won that he said everybody around him like thought they're gonna like die or something like they thought people were gonna come <laughs> after him now like it was just like totally mind-blowing for him and then the other one of course is usually covid for a lot of other podcasters that started up um i would say for, as for me though i kind of just like always questioned things and i just kind of got more serious about it um i'd say probably like a year or so before covid just kind of following like elites and the whole like pedophilia idea and adrenochrome yeah. and all that kind of shit um, but like when I guess like my big moment that kind of got my podcast started was pretty similar to yours though, with the whole idea that I just kind of felt like I couldn't say what I needed to say. And I just had like a lot of like suppressed anger from the sense of just not being able to get my ideas out. So like, 100%. you know, this is like therapy in a sense for a lot of people where it's like, you get to say the things that need to get said and you know, it's your own platform. So nobody's judging you for it or trying to pull you off for it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And um, just piggybacking along on that, it's like, you know, it, it was so funny, you know, you used to talk about like knowing about the, you know, pedophilia things going on. Like the Epstein thing for me was like old news until it became new news. And then he died right prior to COVID and everything that happened afterwards. I just thought the timing of it was funny. The, the media impact, the pop culture impact it had, I did not expect, but that was a big, that's kind of an awakening moment for a lot of normies. I feel like, uh, I always like to say too, that if you see like documentaries about things, then usually they're trying to like control the narrative. So it's like, it's kind of ironic that, you know, a lot of these companies wouldn't touch anything that has to do with those topics. And all of a sudden you got Netflix that's making like the Epstein documentary and it made the one about uh, Jimmy Savile. And it just like, they, they leave a lot of stuff out and it just seems like it's almost like they're trying to control the narrative. Like you didn't hear a lot of mention about like the black book about having like all these different people's names in it. They kind of just made it seem like that was put out on purpose to completely put the blame on Epstein. So nobody else was looking at who was around him necessarily. Um, and then they just kind of like played it off from there. So it's just like manipulation through that. Like even like the Jimmy Savile thing, I don't know if you watched that, but they kind of just tried to like humanize him like, oh, look, he was such a great guy, but he had this twisted background. Like they're trying to like make it seem like, oh, they're a pedophile, but they may not be that bad of a guy when realistically really? like anybody that's a pedophile is just like the worst type of person, in my opinion. Well, he was feeding children to the queen, allegedly, you know. You're talking about Jimmy Savile? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's a whole, yeah, cannibalistic ritual allegation. Oh my God. I can't, I would get, that's why I don't have Netflix. I unsubscribed when cuties happen and I'm staying that way. Yeah, I would honestly though that that was like my other big moment for Netflix, where it's just like I feel like anything they put out that's conspiracy type minded is controlling a narrative now, specifically because of cuties. But like I like to watch it just for the sake of like knowing what I know versus like what they're trying to push out to the general public. Because then it's like you hear about people that are watching the documentary for fun, and you can put in the extra information that needs to get said that they didn't say in there, so you can still kind of like get the information out. And that's kind of like your medium to do so, because if you know somebody, you just start talking about Epstein, nobody wants to hear it, but if it's a Netflix show and people are all interested in it, then you can kind of get <laughs> some of that red pill information out, you know, just because they're interested in it, just being a documentary on Netflix, you know? Yeah. I mean, HBO has been guilty. They're like the first ones to start pushing the fake, like true crime documentaries. It's like a whole <laughs> different podcast <laughs> on my end, like the West Memphis three case and you know, some of the other things they've done, but yeah. So I guess before we get into the false flags, uh, you said that there was some, something you wanted to share with me before we get into that. Uh, were you, do you want to share that? Yeah. I would like to talk to you guys. Um, this is one of the first kind of like, I would say modern false flag psychological operations that we could note. Um, in the late forties, the OSS was formed, you know, as the precursor to the CIA, Alan Dulles, I believe, he was the head of CIA, but John Foster Dulles, you might forgive me for mixing up their roles, but they're both deep state actors, deep state architects. And um, in Guatemalan, as in other, you know, South American, Central American countries, there are serious like land agrarian reforms going on. Uh, our media was labeling it as communism or the specter of communism, like infiltrating our hemisphere, right? So the United States was very motivated to um, enforce its Monroe Doctrine, which states that it has the major influence of this hemisphere, right? Is to be the main dominator in, a, in essence. 
Mm-hmm. And the Dulles brothers, I believe, as well as another one of their cronies who was also in their cabinet, Cabot, I think that was his last name. They were all former executives or officials with the United Fruit Company. So Arbenz was a very interesting person in that he was a pragmatist. He was a capitalist, but he realized to keep his job, basically, to keep his popularity. I mean, just to basically be a decent politician in Guatemala, he had to do something to address, you know, the peasant reforms and all that that was going on. So he instituted one of the most successful land transfers at the time from um, a plantation owner, the United Fruit Company, to its general population. A sixth of the population of Guatemala, 500,000 Guatemalans received, you know, several acres from the company or the equivalent of that paid to them, right? And that subsequently led to um, United States throwing its support behind uh, Castillo Armas, who is another general in, you know, meant to be a strong arm puppet eventually. And um, they instituted one of the most unique um, coup d'etats in history by utilizing a radio station and several hundred Marines and a couple hundred exiles to overthrow a whole nation. So uh, pretty much the premise was that they it's kind of like what's happening now. They're just, they use like the media in a sense to be able to manipulate people around it, right? Right. Well, first they focused on framing the narrative here, you know. So, I mean, there's only a couple of major news companies. TV was barely getting going. And there's a very interesting history with Arbenz later in that when he left exile and was like fleeing the country, he was publicly shamed on camera and stripped naked on national TV in front of his wife in like the sixties, you know, like when he was finally able to make it out of there. And it it was like a very much a public humiliation ritual in that sense. And um, reminds me of all that weird scene from game of Thrones. I don't know if you ever watched that show. There's not too much. One thing they do on purpose, which is basically they take one of the Royals who was caught. uh, I believe it was, like they're cheating on somebody or something like that. And they pretty much made him walk through the town completely naked in order to like <laughs> humiliate them. So it's like, but then it goes into some like occult ties too, because there's a humiliation ritual when you're getting into like become becoming part of like an occult group. So like, yeah. I wonder if that was linked to that is like his initiation to get into whatever group he was trying to get into. Well, he ended up dying like six years later. He didn't live very long. He died of some serious illness allegedly in 1970 and then, you know, the fate of Salvador Allende, the president of Chile, is also quite interesting, right? Where he was, um, some say he was executed in a room in a presidential palace. Some say he killed himself. But that's a whole different story, too. But Is it one of those things where the body was never found, so nobody was able to ever really verify it? Or, like, they, they found the body, but they never, like, publicly had pictures of it or anything like that for anybody to be able to, like, put pieces together themselves? I would like to go back and refresh on on the controversy behind that. You know, I got to go back and look at it, but I would not be surprised if they just took his body out of there and cremated him. You know, Pinochet. Pinochet was coming to power, so there's no telling what he did. Because there's definitely a lot of stuff, even now, like Epstein, for example, um, Osama bin Laden. It's like they they claim that they died this specific way, but then they don't show any like pictures of it to like verify or prove it. And then you never see the body again before it's, you know, either buried or incinerated or whatever they choose to do with it so they just are able to like pull off the narrative and then once they get past it and the body's gone it's like you don't really have any other information to go on in order to kind of figure out the pieces of the puzzle past that 
what are you talking about, Shane? Throwing a Muslim body in the ocean is a very traditional Islamic ritual. <laughs> I mean, like even Osama bin Laden, for example, like, uh, like they like they claim that they shot him, but then like the picture that they saw of him was one or that they gave of him after he'd been shot. Uh, like if you line it up with other pictures of him, it just very much so looked like it was like photo edited. Like they're just trying to throw a picture out there in order to you know, just kind of pull away from like, hey, don't look over here, look over here, you know, like doing that magician's uh, trick. More than ever, I've thought that, that there's, um, there might be several Bin Ladens, I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I don't know about anymore, but. I know that when he was found and they supposedly killed him was during the time when Obama wasn't necessarily the most popular. So like my two questions that came with it were, was he actually dead ahead of time? And they were just kind of putting that one in their back pocket until they needed it to make somebody look good. Or two, did he not actually die? And they just played it off again to try to make him look good. Or three, it could be completely as it was said. But the other fishy part that goes with it is that the team that went in and supposedly killed him, uh, there was like a lot of like mysterious deaths involved in that group, too, because a lot of them were speaking out about things, which, you know, that's a whole other other thing all on its own but were some of them alleged to be in that um that helicopter that crashed in the mountains the uh, six? i think so if i'm not mistaken oh my goodness I, I i allegedly know or knew somebody that was in that and that That's guy a, was a was a mess <laughs> <laughs> that's usually how it goes down man because i feel like there's two things that you can do where uh, the average person doesn't question them that much um and that's suicide or a helicopter crash because that's how it seems oh. like everybody goes. But the suicide thing, it's like the only people that really look into it are conspiracy theorists because most people, it's like, you know, improper to touch that. Like somebody commits suicide, you kind of just leave it at what it is. But like we're talking I mean, on my show the other day about uh, another one in the Clinton body count where this person basically, they claimed that he hung himself and also shot oh, himself with a shotgun all in the same process. That. But it's I like, how how is that? It doesn't like if you hung yourself <laughs> and you you hit that bounce where your neck kind of gets snapped. Like you're not gonna be able to hold on to a gun past that. And if you're already hanging there, like choking, like where you're just gonna position a shotgun to shoot yourself. Like <laughs> yeah. So we're, since we're already talking about this, we might as well go ahead and talk about um, Terrence Yankee in Oklahoma City a little bit. Do you know the story of Terrence Yankee out in Oklahoma? Um, I don't think I do actually. If you wanna wanna reiterate, yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah. So for sure, for sure, um, Oklahoma City bombing, as most people know. Well, it's that building, Alfred Alfred P. Murrah Federal Building was one of the headquarters of the FBI. It it was giant. And those allegations that where the bomb detonated is right where the Clinton Whitewater documents were being held. That's where all these files are being held. And the region was like Oklahoma, Arkansas, a few other states, maybe even Texas. I'm not even sure. But Terrence Yankee was allegedly, this is how he was found dead, right? And this guy saved eight people from the building that day. He claimed he saw something fishy. He was in the, he was in the middle of being accepted to the FBI, right? Told his ex-wife that he was being followed for a period of time. Kept going back to the scene to gather evidence. He was found over a mile and a half from his truck with both wrists slit, rope birds around his neck, shot at a 45 degree angle in his temple in his truck with the window smashed out and just broken glass everywhere like a slit throw and they claimed he killed himself that's that's exactly what happened man why would you question that i mean that sounds like it gets exactly what happened like it's totally possible for somebody to try to kill themselves in three ways all at once 
and he was like literally tortured for some reason why he was tortured i don't know sent a message i guess at that point but um if you look to the clintons they just i feel like they just try to like show their power like at a certain point like that other one i was talking about it's kind of just like don't mess with us because we're not going to get checked into (laughs) (laughs) yeah did you know that and that Arkansas medical director has a lot of problems with him too. Uh, he has like a kind of a Middle Eastern Asian name. I wish I could remember it right now, but if I'm not mistaken and please people can fact check me on this, I believe he was the coroner in the first ever case of somebody being ruled a suicide with like two gunshot wounds to their chest in like the late seventies. That just seems like it's opening a door to a whole other version of sketchiness. Cause you know, if they try to make it past that that's possible, then going into future cases, they're just going to rule it the same way, but it's just about making that first initial case where nobody questions it. And then other cases following, you can go, Oh, well this happened in this, this instance. And then it's like the average person again, wouldn't question it as much, you know? Oh, and let me tell you, he, he ended up ruling it in the future on several other Clinton body count cases. It's, it's, it's quite incredible. It's like, it's like a great, if it was a movie, it'd be a fantastic movie. But since it's real life, it's like sad and depressing. <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong there. But at the same time, though, it's like we talk about this kind of shit to try to expose it because who else is going to do it if people like us don't do it? Like nobody else is going to be looking into politicians. They just think that they're these great people that they perceive themselves to be, you know? Yeah, no doubt. But another uh, random sketchy death that I definitely like to get into, too, is the whole Isaac Happy death. Uh, oh, shit. We want to talk about this, huh? Oh, man. <laughs> you got to touch all bases, man. Like, if we're if we're going to go with it on this episode and talk about as much of things we can't talk about, we might as well go balls deep. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, Isaac Happy, it's kind of funny. I, I came across him. Because I, I didn't even know who he was at the time, but... He was part of this local indie band called Monster Paws. He has a really hilarious song. Everybody should go out there and listen to it. It's actually in the first part of my podcast on this subject, but um, it's called Champagne Bike Ride. And it's just a really fun fucking like electronic, like pop song. And he ended up being like a pretty decent, like he was coming up as a background, like quirky character actor in like Disney and like Marvel flicks, right? In that kind of universe. I believe he was in some Marvel stuff. Maybe he had some Star Wars things planned. I know he was like a background character in some other comedies too, because that's where I'd heard yeah. him and seen him before. Just like random filler kind of roles. Exactly. And um, well, he was found off the Route 66, you know, maybe like three or four hours west of Albuquerque you know, in Arizona, dead off a bridge. They, they're saying he jumped off the bridge and killed himself. And, you know, you could try to check the archives for this, but there's some allegations that Tom Hanks just chimed in real kill on this. But he was alleging a lot of things. He was heavy into the QAnon conspiracy. He was definitely, like, into the Trump exposing something big, you know, something big's going to happen kind of deal. And the other major um, accusation he threw out was Seth Green. He hated Seth Green and he had a lot of dark stuff to say about him. But um... I remember the main one being Tom Hanks. And I definitely wanted to point out too, that there was a bunch of videos that he posted about talking about how there's people after him. And like two days before his death, he posted something saying, if I'm found uh, dead or committed suicide, I didn't kill myself. I have no intention to kill myself. There's people after me. And then now you, it's like hard to find that video on the internet because it was one of those things that just kind of got like scrubbed out, of course, to try to play into the whole suicide idea. 
But. Yeah, you can find the Instagram post. There's like a two or three like page or story. I don't know how you, how to say it on Instagram. I'm I'm kind of a boomer <laughs> on Instagram. I'm, I'm not on there too heavily, but um, yeah, there's like two and a half pages where you like goes through it off. You just read it. it. It's it's kind of a mind fuck. It's a little bit of Q. It's a little bit of Epstein. It's a little bit of it's a little bit of Hollywood. It's a little bit of everything that we talk about. Because you was talking about uh, Tom Hanks with like pedophilia and like occult magic. That was I feel like that was the main thing that I read about as far as what he was trying to explain. You notice he's been in like in Europe and Australia since then. Right. Like, you notice Tom Hanks has just been like out the country and he's about to, you know, he's about to be in a live action Pinocchio, which has its own sexual child abuse connotations. That has its own. Yeah, Yeah, because that goes off of like, well, in the original Disney version, well, not original, but you know, like the first movie based off the book, uh, right. there was like the whole, uh, what was it? Paradise Island or something like that. Yeah. Where they talk about, and then they'd bring the kids there. And then when they get back, they wouldn't be boys anymore. And I know that Pinocchio itself, that story was written about, uh, basically a bunch of kids disappearing in this certain village in Italy. And, yeah. uh, like, so it has ties before Disney to like tr- children being abducted, but it's just definitely fishy. The fact that Disney chose to do that story to begin with, and it's yeah. sketchy that Tom Hanks is involved with it. And I also like to point out that uh, the one main guy who makes the the boy is named Geppetto. So, you know, there's <laughs> Pedo right in his name. So that's also a pretty sketchy. Uh, and thing the, guy that that sends, the guy that sends the boys to Paradise Island is like the showrunner. He's like the Hollywood pull. He's like the guy that pulls the strings. He's like the guy that does the, the show. You know, it, it, it's all there. I was honestly like, I don't remember seeing any of that stuff when I was a kid. And then it's like, you go back and you watch all these Disney movies and stuff and you realize like how much weird shit they're full of. And it just makes you wonder how much it's like altered kids brain through the years to just be exposed to these concepts. And even just like parents death in the first five minutes of any Disney movie. It's traumatizing for any kid, you know, Bambi was horrible. (laughs) (laughs) And even uh, what was the Fox and the Hound? That one was crazy oh, sad in the first couple minutes too. That's one of my favorites, but that's a rough one. It's yeah. like it's very hard to find Disney movies where the parents don't die. Like the only one I could think of offhand right now is Alice in Wonderland, but that has its own oh, whole conspiracy connection to yeah. it. So <laughs> yeah, that guy. Still <laughs> that in guy. its own way, but <laughs> <laughs> that was what people don't know is that's most likely based off of a real girl. The author had a weird relationship with most likely dude that's what i've heard from a bunch of people which like it sucks because coming from somebody who's been you know i guess like a psychedelic kind of stoner for a long time like that's how i always envisioned the story was from that perspective and then like just like trying to expose things within society but like once i started looking into that and realized that it brought like a whole new connection to it where it's like (laughs) i still love alice in wonderland but at the same time though it's like if it's linked to pedophilia it's like you know it's like a double-edged sword you know like it's an awesome story but like you don't want to promote the story if that's honestly what it's deeply about you know yeah it's something else it, it yeah it's something else you want to talk about some other good sketchy deaths uh what's uh chester bennington from lincoln park and uh what was the guy from audio slave was that the band chris cornell yeah chris cornell both of them had ruled as like suicide right and I know that both of them together are working on a documentary called The Private Children, which is about like child trafficking and stuff like that. Because I don't know how true this story is, but I heard that as a child, Chester had been abducted 
and he ended up finding his way back home. Uh, double check me, anybody that wants to look into that, because it's just something I heard a while ago. But uh, that, you know, as soon as they started working on this documentary, both of them pretty damn close to each other had suicides that were sketchy all on its own. And they try to play off the whole thing of like, oh, you never know who might be suicidal, blah, 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 blah. But it's like <laughs> coming from a parent, like you may be depressed, but like you're never going to put your kids through your death intentionally. And I don't right. see Chester, for example, as being the type that would have done that to his kids. So that whole death is sketchy all on its own. And I still wonder who was the one that's who pulled the trigger for both of them. Man, that, that's a fascinating story. There's so many good ones of Hollywood. I didn't know like the sketchiness behind that. I mean, um, I have my own little, one of my favorite ones is, do you know the story about Elizabeth Frazier and like Tim and Jeff Buckley from the uh, Cocteau Twins? I was going to say for the guests that don't know, if you would love to, uh, or not guests, but listeners that don't know, I'd love for you to explain it. Oh yeah, dude. Well, she, she was part of this, like, I don't know how to describe the Cocteau Twins. They're like, they have like a drummer or like a drum machine and like one guitarist and like she just sings crazy, you know, songs like really crazy, high pitched, talented singer. But she's like the York type stuff. Yeah, like pre- predecessor to that, I would definitely say like progressive post rock, late 70s, 80s. And she's um she has like a really crazy upbringing. She talks about growing up in like a, like a sex occult style background in Scotland and Wales, like it's some like real old school pagan Satanist shit. And then um, I think it's, is it Tim Buckley? Who's the father, but she dated Tim Buckley. Right. And they cover this song. He, he did this song called song to the siren, a cover of that. And then shortly after it was like, I think it was like the first like public performance, the first recorded live, but he died almost immediately after in Memphis in in like the Memphis River. Like, you know, when waist deep water, fully clothed, hardly any alcohol in the system, like no like other damage to him. She was dating him at the time. She also dated his son like 10 or 12 years later. And he ended up dying in very much the same way in the same spot. Were they speaking out about anything in particular? No, this is just more some like, is this chick some kind of like black magic, like siren (laughs) songstress? Like, what is she singing about? What are her ties? Like, I, I, it's a fascinating story. Chris Knowles talks a lot about this. I don't know if you know his podcast or Mm -hmm. see anything he's been on, but yeah, he's pretty much the expert on that one. That's a fun, that's a fun one to go down. Talking about some more sketchy deaths, too. I always like to bring this one up uh, is Tupac because <laughs> he used to always like he, he was like raising his community up versus trying to like repress him to be more gangster in a sense. And uh, he wrote a couple songs about faking his death, too. That was the other funny part about yeah. it, where I think he may be dead now, possibly. But at the time where everybody thought he died, I'm like pretty much 100 percent convinced that he faked his death and took off. Really? Because oh, like, so. there's a lot of people like that, that they'll just start talking about particular things and then they'll just you'll see like a sketchiness to them when like the way they do their music as yeah. far as like trying to be a little bit more like subliminal about getting their message out. And then they end up like dying soon after that. So like, I don't know. I feel like there's a lot of these celebrities that are either they one actually had somebody come after them or two, they faked their death so that people wouldn't come after them. 
but even in a more like literal sense with Tupac, like Suge Knight's fucking horrifying. Like I, I wouldn't want to fuck with that dude. And that dude's been looking for Tupac. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's funny. I just did a Michael Jackson truth podcast with the unspeakable truth. Um, yeah. The guy hosts uh, the unspeakable truth. Dusty is his name. You can find him at, at you, you truth cast. Sorry. I, I could barely talk right now. <laughs> No but worries. um yeah horrible for a podcast right no but it's i just my deep hope is that tupac and mj are not island chilling somewhere you know i, I just hope that they're both okay nobody really got to them <laughs> they they you were a step ahead you know they hannibal lectured it right you know just went away and hid in a foreign country for a while i feel like tupac would have been smart enough to pull that off honestly just considering like the way he wrote and how poetic he was about things and just like the way he carried himself like, I definitely think that that's a possibility. And he seemed a lot more like sporadic towards the end, whereas almost reminded me of like that paranoia of people that like, you know, they're like, oh, the government's after me. Oh, this person's after me. So it's it's very fitting to like how he was acting that he would have definitely tried to like take off or at least tried to make an opportunity to take off. Even if he got got in the process, like I think he was still trying to find a way to just disappear. He was a very fascinating character to me because I listened to all of his music. I mean, he had an album called Killuminati that's full of like Catholic imagery and like anti-Illuminati <laughs> lyrics like the whole way through. And it's like a really fascinating case study. Of, like it's almost like post SRA kind of, you know, pre like true woke, not like woke as in liberal, but like waking to you know other deeper things going on but he was very much a force of nature in terms of being a pop culture phenomenon and like pushing the envelope you know a little little too far maybe i mean i feel like a lot of people as far as like rappers have kind of fallen into the trend because it's almost cool to be part of like say the illuminati or some kind of secret organization if you're a rapper but uh just for a lot of people that don't make that connection uh, the whole blonde hair thing that a lot of rappers go through from what I've read about it, it's supposed to be like feminizing themselves. So it's supposed yeah. to be a step into becoming part of that. That's and funny. same with the humiliation things. If you notice, like every rapper will go through some like big humiliating thing. Yeah. And it's part of like the humiliation ritual, which I also feel like was what happened with Chris Rock and Will Smith was part oh, of the humiliation 100%. ritual also. Speaking of that, I just have to show you really quick. Like, check out, I designed this shirt, but I'm wearing my MK Ultra Light B, Kanye West, Michael Jackson. That's a Michael Jackson drawing at the base of the MJ uh, picture, but it's MK Ultra for sure. They're emasculating black men for some reason. They're, they've been more susceptible to it, I think, than a lot of other minority groups these last, you know, 15 to 20 years. I mean, the last ones against it, I feel like, are, you know, hardcore, like, mexican-american or latino mm-hmm. catholics basically those are like the last holdouts i feel in terms of like a united block but i mean even the I, dress thing that's another component too to like yeah like What's it's hard thing? to take a gangster rapper seriously when they're wearing a dress like come on now <laughs> like frank ocean what's his name billy is his name like billy joe porter that guy that wears that fucking cape shit it's like a big old dress and it probably is a too and then kid cuddy's even wearing dresses now and shit Dude, why do you think cuddy doesn't fuck with them anymore man that's See, why everybody thinks that Kanye is linked into some shit, but he's always talking about how he's like the second coming of Jesus. So he may be a little bit loopy and out there, but weirdly enough, I kind of feel like Kanye might be on the good side. Like as weird as that sounds, I want him to, <laughs> well, first, first I want him to get custody of his kids and save him from Pete Davidson because 
if that guy's does he really have his kids' initials tatted on him already? That's fucking horrible. That's the rumor. I'm gonna be honest with you, dude. Like coming from like a white guy's perspective, like I think <laughs> Pete Davidson is just like a straight like white piece of shit. Yeah, it's like I see a bunch <laughs> of stuff where apparently he's been known to like fuck people's girlfriends and then send them pictures of him in bed with them, and that's some straight fuckboy shit. Like I'm sorry, oh, but yeah. like fuck that. <laughs> And then he has sketchiness involved with him too, because he was one of the people that was like, "Oh, my dad uh, died in the in the twin towers." When, oh when they... yeah. So I don't know. He feel like he has some links to some weird shit too. Like there's a good possibility of it, you know. Like maybe that was his like, you know, how to join these groups. A lot of the time they say like somebody close to you has to die. Like maybe that was like Pete Davison's, you know. He's a weird. He's just a weird motherfucker. I just want Kanye to get his kids. Hashtag. Save Kanye's kids. And all the Kardashians are a bunch of succubuses. Like, if there's ever a group of people that are probably low key, like demons, like, I know there's like, a, I think oh, it was yeah. Joe Rogan that was doing a joke about it where they were like standing over uh, Bruce Jenner's bed telling him, like, become one of us. <laughs> it was funny as hell. But yeah, definitely, like, they suck the talent out of everybody. And everybody that's linked with the Kardashians, I feel like there's some sketchy shit that gets included with them. With the whole concert with Travis oh. Scott and the whole hypnotizing thing and you walk through his mouth be- to get into the concert and everybody just said that there was just like this weird ambiance to it like maybe they're trying some type of like mk ultra type shit like who knows dude that was some crazy shit i got a, i got some good views off of that one but that was a crazy fucking <laughs> that was a crazy story there's some that was some straight like Hieronymus bosch painting i'm like how does travis scott know about Hieronymus bosch like one of the preeminent renaissance like that guy's not educated like who's his hand like Who's who's the good like who's a spiritual advisor? Who's the person in his ear? You know, that's what I wonder. I mean, considering you did an episode about it, I haven't actually talked about the whole Travis Scott thing on my show. So, I mean, if you want to explain it to the listeners from like your standpoint, I'm sure they'd appreciate it. It, it was just, I mean, I don't have any too deep takes on it. I just did an episode where you know I covered the weird things that happened. There's allegations of people being drugged. I know at least. A couple of security guards, right, were actually drugged and hit with some needles or something. So that caused a panic that made them seem like maybe some of these deaths were caused by people going around injecting drugs. But the police department came out and said that did not happen. But they try to say at least like, what, a dozen kids died from being compressed too tightly into <laughs> the crowd, like asphyxiation. And I've never experienced that at a concert. I mean, I haven't been to any huge, huge concerts, but I've been to a Kanye West concert and it wasn't anything like that it sounds super ritualistic to me because to begin with i feel like concerts if you really like stand back and like look at the premise of a concert it's it's a very ritualistic type endeavor like you have somebody up on a stage that's almost acting like a false idol or like a false god uh they're having everybody like switch to their method of thinking and like their vibration and then from there it's like you see crowd control even like not necessarily in every concert, it being like some crazy, like satanic or occult type stuff, but just the whole premise of somebody being able to stand in front of a group of people and control the crowd saying like, this person make noise, that crowd make noise. Now you guys jump. Now you guys push. Now you guys moss each other. Like there's just a very like weird atmosphere that just seems very dark to like the whole concept of like concerts to begin with. Did you see him just like zoning out to like over the crowd with like that dead zombie look in his eyes, just like droning? Like he wasn't even like singing. He was just like like droning like long noises and like staring at people dying. <laughs> it was so I don't know what could have been going on. I, I still feel like just the way he was looking at everybody, it was almost like he 
was expecting that it was going to happen. And a lot of people have claimed that when that was going on, there was like different frequencies and they just noticed like an uprising in the crowd. And I mean, going like you were saying with the whole MK Ultra thing, like if they figured out certain vibrations or like frequencies that they could start like manipulating people or even just agitate people, you know, where it may not be necessarily like putting thoughts into somebody's head, but just if you play a certain sound or a certain frequency, it just gets people irritated. Like you could start basically that where everybody starts rushing everybody forward because any person in the right mind of thinking is going to see somebody fall and be like, start yelling, like stop, or like try to help get them up or something. Like nobody's going to like voluntarily just be stepping on fucking people to see a concert. Like it's going against like the morals of just being a human to begin with. (laughs) That's really, man, that's really fascinating that you said that too, because the imagery that was being replicated at that show was Christ in Lumbo. That's like the famous series of it's what's known as a triptych, which is like a giant three paneled, piece and it's basically like um i guess i guess in the catholic faith like christ like falls to limbo right it's like held in limbo for a second and like it meets like several angels and like demons and there's like a there's a whole concept of being caught between like consciousness and unconsciousness the light and the dark it's i i wish i i wish i was up to date on this but yeah it's Everything that day was fishy from the stage set to <laughs> the locker crowd control. It's one of those things, too, that it's just like there's so much symbolism that it can't be ignored. And if you know what the symbolism is and you're doing it intentionally, even if you're not part of anything occult, it's just like, like, why would you promote that and push that and give that idea of yourself possibly being a cult tied unless you were doing it intentionally? Like, nobody's just going to like pretend to be part of that kind of shit because i feel like that's also one of those moves that you know you don't go around saying that you're part of the illuminati if you're not because if you go around saying that eventually they're it's going to catch up with you and that group's going to be like hey why the fuck are you saying you're part of us when you're not so it's like they full well i feel like he knew what he was doing even if somebody else was helping him is he still with the kardashian by the way i'd have to look into it i know they had a kid together um, yeah. past that I'm not 100% sure I don't really keep up on like celebrities unless there's like sketchy shit like that involved then I start trying to like break that kind of stuff apart but I'm very curious as to see if his net worth went up or down because of that because I, I kind of feel like it went up in a in a sick way I feel like he's probably in it more popular than ever dude it's just like they try to hide a bunch of shit like straight in the mainstream, like a perfect example I like to say is like Nas, little Nas X or whatever that his oh, first song God. was like the Old Town Road or whatever the fuck, which low key I kind of figure is about being gay, <laughs> but <laughs> it got pushed to a bunch of kids and then all these kids started following him and then his following video after that is him like twerking on Satan and shit like that. Then he released those Nikes that I think they're only like single edition or something like that. They didn't like mass produce them, but they had like blood in the shoe and shit. Where it's like they get these kids hooked on a celebrity and then they just throw all this satanic shit involved. So it's like subliminally like brainwashing kids where they just think all that kind of shit's completely like acceptable just because they see like celebrities doing it that they follow, you know? Yeah, you know, it's bad when Nike based out of Portland, Oregon or Northwest Oregon is like, you got to stop this little nasty X. You cannot sell Nikes with drops of blood in them. You cannot endorse this, you know? Yeah, especially not after like everything else he's got going on too. It's just like it all adds into the premise where it's just like you can't either one, he's obsessed with Satan or two, he's a Satanist. And there's not really any other way around it 
considering like the things that you've seen him promote and do. I wonder if he was a child star or not, because for me, he completely came out of nowhere. I'm like, he was like Takashi. He was like Takashi 69, who I thought was a fed from the beginning, by the way, you know, before he ever <laughs> went to jail or any of that. But there's something amiss with little Nas X. He's got some kind of deal, some handler. He must have been on one of those Disney development deals for a long time. They're like, yeah, you know what? Let's just go straight to the <laughs> yeah, digital sales. I'm wondering if he is connected to Disney in some way, shape, or form. Because that's like something you see continuously through time is that they have these like Disney stars that a lot of kids will start following. They'll really like them. And then all of a sudden, they go crazy off the deep end. Like Miley Cyrus was very like... Oh, like a very home name, you know, like she wasn't anything crazy. And then all of a sudden she like flipped into this whole thing where she's like half naked on stage with giant dildos and shit. (laughs) And then you got Demi Lovato, which was like a Disney star that a bunch of kids followed. And now she's like a they and sings the fucking ghosts and shit. She's a fat cow. She looks like a hippo. (laughs) She's giant, right? Yeah. Yeah. She she gained a lot of weight and she like shaved her head and started going by they. Like That's, that's sad. But I think it's a manipulative thing, though, because it's intended to like normalize these ideas that realistically aren't normal ideas. But we get it pushed so hard in society that like like they want it to be a normal idea for whatever manipulative reason that may be. But like you have to start young to get people to follow that flow, because if she was just weird right off the bat, nobody would have followed her. But everybody still likes Miley Cyrus because she started off as this humble little girl and then turned into what she is now. And it's like people look past it because they are just like, oh, yeah, I've always liked Miley Cyrus. So it's just normalizing all the weird, over-sexualized things that are kind of getting pushed towards younger and younger kids as time goes on. Did you ever think it was weird that both Miley Cyrus and Demi Lovato both went on Rogan, who like for sure had a Disney ABC development deal? Like I always thought it was weird that both of them ended up on the Rogan show. Like, Did they Demi really? Le- yeah, yeah. Miley was on there, I think, like, a couple, three times. And Demi Lovato was on there at least once, right before she bloomed up. <laughs> but <laughs> No, there's a lot of sketchiness that goes with Joe Rogan all on its own, too. Like, I don't know, man. Like, I, I like Joe Rogan. Don't get me wrong. Like, I love his stand-up. Uh, I like his podcast. But, uh, at, well, one, after the whole, like, freedom of speech pressed against him thing, he definitely seems like he, like, has withdrawn a lot from his show where he doesn't, like, push the bar yeah. as much as he used to. But, like, even before that, getting into, like, the whole false flags thing, I feel like there's a lot of shit that's thrown into, like, the truther community just so that people will start following that rather than what's actually going on. And I feel like Joe Rogan's probably definitely contributed to that with just the multiple guests that he's had on his show and their levels of just what they were like, even having uh, what's his name, Edward Snowden on his show, like that was kind of weird all in its own too. Yeah, he has sometimes he has some like really obvious like lefty people on there, and those are just like the most disinterested shows. It's him like trying to tell the middle line while not being a true like libertarian or conservative for that matter, and just kind of like oh, I don't really agree. It's just a lot of like ham-handedness now it's not as spicy as it used to be i think it's because he's gotten so popular now that he doesn't want to offend listeners and then lose listeners because like honestly like probably the biggest podcast in the world is probably honestly joe rogan even still yeah like that's like one that if anybody listens to podcasts even if you don't like if anybody knows one podcast it's joe rogan experience i really want to know what alex jones if site does I, I would like to know that like what it does in a given month still i bet you it's 
probably still in the top five. Would you think? You're talking about the Alex Jones episode he did? Or no, just Alex Jones, like InfoWars. Like, I bet oh. you they still get pretty decent traffic. I, I, I feel, you know, part of why I do my thing is kind of like in memoriam of Alex Jones because he's banned from everything. So I'm like, <laughs> let's see how much of what he used to talk about I can get away with. Dude, he's one of those people, too, that I, like a lot of the time he sounds like he's on to something when he sounds like he's at his craziest. Right. Like talking about like the elites trying to descend or ascend to the next dimension, just stuff like that. And then he next thing you know, on the next episode, he's yelling about like gay frogs and shit like that. So it's just like <laughs> I feel like he's one of those people that either one is all out, just supposed to be like a false information powerhouse or two. He's legitimately onto some shit. But then he says it in a crazy way, which makes it so people are just like, all right, yeah, it's just Alex Jones, where like he's exposing a bunch of information, but like the powers that be know that not everybody takes him completely seriously. So they kind of just leave him to say what he's going to say. And he may be saying some dead ass truth, but just because of who it's coming from, people are just like, oh, yeah, it's just Alex Jones. He's just a little crazy, you know? Right, for sure. You know, it's kind of, I don't know why I'm drawing like little weird parallel but i remember like in terms of like politics um like i remember like when ron paul would run like they would like <laughs> label him as like kind of the kook light right they almost tr- used to try to make him be like alex jones light and then like when trump trump ran it was just like you know what throw everything <laughs> at the wall like all the q all the conspiracies is like it escalated you kind of were able to see it a little bit and then with the rogan cancellation too I, I i don't know what what exactly that was about i don't know if he was like rumored to have on like a major political guest but <laughs> it's very weird to see how the media reacts how the podcast community reacts to different like cultural and political <laughs> events now were you talking about like why everything happened with him in the first place? Who exactly? Uh, Joe Rogan. Yeah, yeah, like like the whole you know because I think N- it was the N word controversy. I think honestly, it all started with him having uh, what's his name, Doctor Robert Malone on his show, and oh, yeah. he was thrown as like giving out false information about COVID, and then it all kind of spiraled from there, where everybody went back and started trying to look for extra shit to throw on him, like saying he said the N word and shit like that. But I'm pretty sure the starting point though was just having that guy on his show and then like that's when they started adding like the false information shit on a bunch of his episodes and that's when spotify started doing that all together for even like other bigger podcasts that's true it's it's like really funny to think about now it's like of course we knew like of course that's what happened right but now it's like you could talk about monkeypox and gay sex and you're still up on youtube so the rules are just incoherent I mean, maybe they're trying to flood the spectrum now because everything was on COVID. So they're trying to control that narrative. And now they're just throwing so much shit out there that they let people talk about it because they want everybody to just one, look at the conspiracy community like they're fucking insane, even though we're onto some shit. And two, (laughs) it's just like the average person isn't able to follow all the crazy shit going on anymore because there's so much of it all happening at once. So they're just like, whatever, let them talk about it because they're talking about reptilians on one episode and then this on that episode and that on that episode. Like, you know, they may be onto something on this episode. The other two, they're not. So, you know, everybody will just get washed out in the process. Yeah. You know, when, you know, when um, they're really losing it is when you see something like, you know, Will Smith slap Chris Rock. Like whenever you see like a major pop culture thing happen live like that, that's when you know that like, okay, there's definitely other shit you got to be paying attention to right now. 
if I'm not mistaken, too, it probably happened way sooner before that. But that was when, uh, like the whole fertilizer issue and the food yeah. shortages issue started like coming into the light. So it just seemed like everybody was following that rather than that because it's always that sleight of hand trick. I had a- there's some crazy shit that happens. Like even the whole trial with uh Johnny Depp and Amber Heard was going on pretty much pretty close to the same time as the Gillian Maxwell trial. So yeah. it's just like, hey, look over here because we got some other shit that we don't want you to see going on over here. Man, that Johnny Depp trial did gangbusters for ratings too. <laughs> that was it was insane. Dude, that was a show. That wasn't even a court case. Like, what reasonable person? It, okay, so if they say that a they month. can't have, yeah, they can't have cameras for like Gillian Maxwell, even though everybody wants to see that. Why is it totally okay to have like endless coverage on like celebrities' personal issues? It's like who pays for that? <laughs> I guess the taxpayers of Cal or Virginia do. Or I don't know if that was in, I don't, uh, I can't even. Just how much like debacle comic relief was in that too. Like it almost seemed like it was intentional, you know, like the Amber Heard saying like my dog stepped on a bee and making the weird face and then her <laughs> supposedly doing like cocaine with the fucking rag. And then Johnny Depp uh, just making a bunch of jokes. Like it just seemed like it was a show rather than an actual trial, you know? My favorite was when, like, they asked him, like, about the poo in his bed. And he was, and he was like, how, how did you know it was not the dogs? He's like, the Yorkshire Terriers. There's no physical way they could have done it. It was, like, as big as that. He said something really cheeky and funny. But, oh, my God. You couldn't make this shit. And then afterwards, did you hear what was leaked recently on TMZ about it? Was that she tried to, like, stop him, like, in the courtroom after it all happened, like, asking if he still loved her and shit. Like a psychopath. Yeah, dude, what the fuck? Like... <laughs> what a crazy broad. <laughs> yeah, dude, like, that's insane. When, like, my girlfriend watched it and I was, like, trying to, like, tell her, like, hey, this is, like, false information. Like, watch it but be wary about it and she was talking about how in the beginning of it like johnny depp supposedly knew that amber heard was crazy because uh she used to like take his shoes off when he got home from work every day or something like that and there was one day that he did it himself and she like flipped out on him and that's when like all the shit started so it's like if you're already dealing with it knowing it then like any logical guy would like cut and run at that point like if a girl flipped out on you because she want to take your shoes off like that's when you do that, like, all right, I'm going to slide out of here real quick. <laughs> oh, I don't even know what to think about. Like, he's Johnny Depp. Like, what is wrong with him to where he can't stand up for himself in a situation like that? That's pretty dark. But that's that back and forth, too. That it's like a double standard that, like, if any girl claims anything like that, like, everybody instantly believes it and doesn't even question the guy. But if a guy ever came out and said some shit like that, then it's like a totally different story. And even looking at it from another perspective, like if Johnny Depp wasn't an attractive, handsome man, you know, if he was just like some goofy looking dude, like would there have been nearly as many women on his side once he started talking or would they like have still taken like, the girl's yeah, side? Was, imagine if it was like Tom Arnold and Amber Heard. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. I feel like <laughs> even like with every, if he said everything exactly the same as Johnny Depp said it, if it wasn't like, a guy that women find attractive like they still wouldn't have sided with him you know i wonder like are you a sports person at all i'm not into football too much but man this deshaun watson case is nuts he's like 25 women accusing him of civil cases of sexual assault or rape but no criminal charges that's either one they're just calling some bullshit to get some money 
or two, we had the money to pay him off. Like that's what it comes down to, honestly. It's it, it yeah. These dudes, once you have that kind of money, I, I'm sorry, you got a responsibility to keep your dick in check. That's my message to Hollywood. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, on, or you know, you got to pull the the Drake that I always find hilarious is that he put some hot sauce in a condom after it was used, <laughs> and the girl tried to sue him for it. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> I don't think that happened. If he did, they're both psychopaths, in my opinion. Like, they deserve each other. I mean, in all fairness, though, <laughs> like if you're a famous celebrity and you're going out and you're getting some ass, like all it takes is a turkey baster, and then somebody's getting millions <laughs> off you. Like, you got to think of some kind of backup plan. And honestly, hot sauce sounds like a pretty damn good one because if anybody's still trying to go for it they're gonna they're gonna feel the burn in the process i just can't believe that's ever has that really ever happened i guess it has to for it to be a thing dude they're celebrities man like there's people that like (laughs) faint overseeing their face i guarantee you some of these women that get with them would easily take a turkey baster to try to get some of that baby batter (laughs) that's fucking disgusting (laughs) Especially if some girl like finds Drake or somebody crazy attractive and they just want their kid to look like him, even if they're not trying to get money out of him, bro. Like people are (laughs) fucking crazy for celebrities, man. And that's going back into that whole like false idols thing where it's just like the whole idea of like the way people see celebrities is completely like unsettling to me and just kind of shows (laughs) the way society is going that like rather than deal with normal life, you look at these people like they're above you, like they're something great and wonderful, but they have more demons in their closet than anybody like yeah. not just skeletons but demons <laughs> like, and you notice that the more secular society gets the more i mean obviously the more hostile everything's getting the protests are going up but also celebrities are being pushed to the forefront now like matthew mcconaughey is now a gun rights activist you know lizzo is talking about abortions and being fat all the time and <laughs> most of the people that follow these like they do follow them like they're obsessed like I have several people that I'm friends with, like in the podcast community, they do true crimes, and but their their Facebook feed or whatever is just nothing but celebrities. And it's like they really wish like it's almost they have a they think it's their family when they have a birthday. Like the posts are like really affectionate and like I'm just like, I don't even post that about my sister. Yeah, like you don't fucking know these people. And like I was reading some statistic recently that was saying that like generally people that like follow celebrities obsessively are linked to having a lower IQ, which would totally make (laughs) sense, I guess, because they're trying to like feel better in their own life or have like a, like a base of comparison or something like that. But it's just like one of those things you'll never have. So it's like that dream that's always out of reach. So it's like, it's healthier for yourself to just be realistic about like what, I don't want to say that like people can't achieve their dreams or anything like that, but like you're never about to be friends with these celebrities. So stop like acting like you know them personally and taking everything that they do to heart. And like, it's a little kind of crazy and stalkerish that people know every detail of any of these celebrities lives. Cause like I said, I only follow them when there's some sketchy shit involved around it. So I'm following it from like the conspiracy minded aspect, but I'm not like looking into these people's lives. Cause I don't really give a shit. I just care about the one particular instance where some like weird shit happened, you know? Yeah, to me, it's it's the saddest when people, um, try, especially like in the podcasting realm, like when they try to be like famous or get like semi-famous or like celebrity adjacent or like podcaster adjacent, like really earnestly. And it, it's just, I mean, it, it comes off like as just a genuine cringy and 
people don't want that and it, it's it goes yeah it, it's interesting it's it happens in podcasts happens in hollywood and whether it's you know people trying to get on the next giant comedy or conspiracy podcast or whatnot or you know i can't see myself going out and like doing ads all the time i can't see myself getting blue chew ads i can't like every 15 minutes putting them on my show ever i can see myself doing a merch store i could ask people for donations and if i put out some extra content like maybe i'll do a subscription one day but at a certain point becomes so taxing on you as to what you're doing you start losing track of what you're doing too because once you have certain sponsors they might start saying like hey don't talk about this particular topic or this or that and there's just like too many other things you got to worry about where it's like that's fine i guess for other realms of podcasts but as far as like truth or podcast goes it's very hard to keep that balance between like saying what needs to get said and having sponsors you know and maybe that's yeah. why some of these podcasters have such off the wall sponsors is because those are the sponsors that don't really give a shit about what they talk about um but still there's just like a lot of like like w- what gets taken away from the show by having particular sponsors you know right yeah and nowadays, I mean, you know, I mean, every every company has its own problems and every company, I mean, if you follow some of these companies like Black Rifle on Twitter, I mean, depending on where you're at and certain issues, you might not agree with them down the line one day and how are you going to handle that situation? You're just going to keep them on your podcast as a sponsor or are you going to cut ties, you know? Or do you always want to be in control of the time and just always have people or products on that you believe in, which is kind of what I'm see like i'd rather be on that fence doing that too because i'm like anti-virtue signal so like you know if a sponsor's like hey you have to say stuff about ukraine or about pride month or about this or about that like you know like my show is never going to be something that's intended to like hop on the trends of like oh look at me i'm a good person because i follow this shit so it's like (laughs) a matter of also finding sponsors that are like i guess conspiracy minded would be your best aspect where no maybe doubt. again like everybody talks about like blue chew just being like a super fucking weird sponsor but again it's like it's fucking dick pills they probably don't considering they're selling dick pills they probably don't give two fucks about what you talk about on your show <laughs> and it also tells you that like your audience is going to be 95 percent male with them as your sponsor <laughs> like you're not going to cross over to females i mean even my show dude like i figured it was all going to be males but when i look at my like statistics i have like 30 percent female so like I'm maybe this is starting to spread, but you know, I, I think it's, I'm it's like twenty. Yeah, I think I'm at like eighteen or twenty, but it was more than I thought. I was like, this is gonna be a bunch of dudes, like you know, like probably like thirty to fifty-four is what I thought is <laughs> who I was gonna hit. But you're you get surprised when you do a podcast. You get surprised at who's listening. I think it's one of those things too that just people are starting to wake up in general, where it's like even like you know, normally it was like the whole like white male concept was just kind of like felt. Re- was getting to a point where it's like you almost feel like a little bit repressed in society um, as far as like everybody just trying to be so virtue signaling that like white males kind of got pushed off to the side in a sense. So like we just kind of needed a way to like vent our frustrations. But it seems like it's starting to also get there for like females in general. And even like Kyle Rainey, for example, on uh, his podcast, The Big Dumb Podcast, uh, he has like non-binary listeners and all that kind of shit. So it just seems like even people that are part of that community are starting to kind of see that the way everything's pushing isn't what they intended it to be. 
like you'd be surprised at how many people are on like the non-binary side whatever you want to clarify it classify it as uh that aren't pro like pushing all this shit on kids and having a couple that's like this in every single fucking movie and shit they're just like you know this is my lifestyle but it doesn't mean that i need it to be every direction i look in you know yeah most people have something in, in themselves they're battling that they're dealing with or that they're trying to manage right it might not be you know gender for you but most people could get behind like individuals like struggling or dealing with something like that it's when you're like you're aggressively advocating and having these pride events where toddlers out there and we're going back to like shaming rituals of why i thought that the feminization of black men is like the the kind of crisis right now it's there was black men with their girlfriends like giving their toddlers money to to the drag queens (laughs) like in no way my dad would never have had me anywhere like that and my mom tried to do that it would have been a problem and i could i i I just can't imagine it and i feel like i'm old-fashioned you know i feel like i must be (laughs) i mean i I wouldn't do that either and even coming from like a heterosexual standpoint like if i had like a three-year-old son and there was like women on stage like i wouldn't bring my kid there either like it's not even just about it being like drag queens it's just certain places the kids don't belong And even for, like, the whole, like, pushing that whole agenda on kids thing, like, I'm not even on the side of, like, hey, let's talk about heterosexuality with kids. Like, I'm, like, you know, they're kids. Leave them the fuck alone. They should be be pretty asexual. Yeah, until puberty hits, right? And then you start talking about it. Yeah, and then, like, that's fine after that point. But just, like, the fact that people are fighting so hard to be able to talk about sex with elementary school kids and they don't even have a comprehension of that other than, like, what's being forced into their perspective... Well, it's these, people don't even, these people don't even have kids most of the time, which is what's most telling about it, right? They can't reproduce, so they got to somehow recruit or keep keep their ideology alive somehow. Yeah, and that that's the other thing that it kind of comes down to, too, is that it's just like people are pushing that agenda so hard and they almost make it seem like you're the weird one for being heterosexual, but like the human race will never carry on if it wasn't for like heterosexual people because the other groups can't reproduce like that. It's like once you're a a male and you become a woman or a woman, you become a male. It's like, you don't, your body doesn't operate the same sense. Like if you're a man and you become a woman, like you can't not have a baby. If you're a woman, you become a man. Like you don't have like semen with like fertile sperm in it, you know, like, yeah. It, it just doesn't work that way. So it's like once you go to that process, it's just like you there's not really a continuing your genes down the line. Um, I mean, you can adopt, but again, that's not necessarily like your genes getting carried on. So it's still like if, if, if you're going to progress the human race, like heterosexual people need to stop getting shit on by everybody else. Like they're the weird ones out and like they shouldn't be able to talk about their sexuality where again, like heterosexual people don't necessarily feel need to talk about their sexuality. So like Again, it's fine. Everybody can do what they want, but like, why is there such a need for people to push it in other people's faces? Like, the I, I don't people, understand that. Those people that I come across that are heterosexual and talk about their sexuality all the time are big, dumb, fucking bros at the bar. That's like, those are literally the only people, other people. And their sexuality is very questionable too, because I feel like a lot of the guys <laughs> that talk about how often they get girls, they have some repressed thoughts in their head that they're trying to make up for. Yeah, they're always slapping each other on the ass in front of like some girl they're supposed to be with, or t- tell each other how much they love each other in front of 
Yeah. It, <laughs> For lack weird. of better terms, like a heterosexual male <laughs> locker room is probably one of the gayest places. Like, hundred <laughs> percent. I hated that in football, man. I hated the locker rooms. It's so weird. Yeah, dude. And then you got like people that are just like openly like, look at my balls, bro. Like, it, it's not gay because I'm straight. Like, nah, bro. Like, that's this fucking weird. Like, why don't you see that? That's weird. Like, just change, do your <laughs> thing. Like, be, you know, like modest about it. Like. If you if I'm fucking changing, dude, I don't care if you're like my best friend. Like, don't fucking touch me if I'm like half naked. Like, that's fucking weird, dude. Like, I'm sorry, yeah. but <laughs> man, I grew up in a in a pretty small town, Carlsbad, New Mexico. That, that town had thirty thousand people. But I also played football in a town of fifteen hundred, and that was by far the gayest <laughs> locker room I've ever <laughs> been in. <laughs> we'll just say that much. <laughs> Nothing ever happened to me, but there there's some fucking stories i have to say hazing was brutal got the shit be out of me there see and that's like a whole other weird questionable thing all on its own it's just like why is there so much like i don't know like i feel like it's some like repressed shit that people don't want to like admit stuff so they just like get their repression out by like paddling other dudes naked and saying that it's part of brotherhood or something you know <laughs> well it's also like my kind of deep conspiracy on why Americans can't acknowledge the pedophilia issue nationwide and why they always like don't acknowledge the child abuse rings, the Jeffrey Epstein suicides. Like it's if, if, if the American people were really to admit that this, like, I think the rates honestly for how often this happens are still incredibly underreported. And I think that for the average person to admit this happens would be to admit it happened to them and that they just can never do that. And that's why you just keep this getting this repeated denial of this kind of like state ritualized, you know, not even the state, but just powerful people. You want to talk about some sketchy shit, dude. I live in Michigan and it was probably like a year and a half or so ago, but there was like a hundred and some odd kids that were found in this house. And it was just like this burned out ass shitty looking Detroit house. And then you go into the house and they had like, you know, like key card doors and all this kind of shit. And there was only two guys that were busted there. And they had like a hundred and some odd fucking kids in this house. What? And it, I saw one news story on it and then I was never able to find it again. So it's one of those things that it just gets scrubbed off the internet again because of one, the people involved or two, it's one of those things that it's just like people don't want to admit it happens because it's like ignorance is bliss. You look the other way and it doesn't exist. But then you got people like our community that notice every one of these stories and try to bring it out in the forefront and it still kind of gets like pushed to the side when it's like over a celebrity shitting in another celebrity's bed i feel like people should be more concerned with the fact of like what celebrities are trying to fuck your kid and you know it's funny too like in the true crime world the only cases that get attention like the missing people that stay missing forever or the missing people that get murdered but what about the missing people that go missing for two or three weeks so they get returned like you never hear those stories, you never turn what you never hear about what happened. But if you look at the numbers, it had it had, they have to have happened, right? Like mm-hmm. not everybody goes missing gets murdered. So what what are, what are their stories? Who was uh what's his face? Um, the Night Stalker Ramirez. Yeah, he had a thing where he used to like kidnap kids. He'd drive around with them and shit for a while, and then he'd like bring them back home. And that's one really? of those things that doesn't get super reported about his story, but he was known to have done this multiple times. Oh, and that was man. part of the reason of how he got caught was because there were so many different crimes that the police didn't want to, like, they didn't think they were all connected. And the only reason they were able to connect them was from his shoe print 
that was at multiple crimes. And then they finally realized that he was one sneaking into people's houses and kidnapping their kids, driving around them for a while and then like bringing them back home. And the kids are so horrified that they wouldn't talk oh, about man. it. And then he was also killing people and he was sneaking up on people and fucking raping people of all different ages and shit. Like literally the only reason they could connect him is because of a shoe print. And it was like a very weird sized custom ordered shoe print. So he kind of fucked himself on that one. Like you think that if you're doing shit like that, you'd try to be wear as like generic a shoe as possible. <laughs> Dude, that reminds me of, um, what's his fucking name? Oh man. I can't believe I'm drawing a blank. I'm going to remember it. Don't worry. Dahmer, when he abducted that kid, right? And then the kid got away that night and he was running naked in the street like a little black boy. And the cops like found him. Dahmer came out there and said like, no, this kid is like under my care. He's like crazy. He's, he doesn't know what's going on. And he ends up murdering him and beheading him that night and starting him in his fucking fridge. The cops returned him to Dahmer. They was just like, oh, he's just having some weird gay boy sex with him. Because in the 70s, I was... I mean, that was very much up in the air. But they were like, is yeah. this okay or not for some reason? Yeah, dude. There's Again, it's just like, I don't know. Maybe it's like a, a power thing where it's just like a lot of these people feel the need to have relations with kids because they just want to feel strong and powerful. Because um, I feel like that's what a lot of like the shadow government, occult type shit is linked to is that everybody thinks it's like money. But realistically, like it's power and money is just part of power. And if that's the case, that it's all about power, then all the ideas of like pedophilia and kidnapping children and all that kind of shit would definitely fit that whole concept. I think it's like trauma-based spine control, right? But like, say if like you're like a shitty piece of shit, but you're like into doing that to people, right? You find your own way to like do it to like one or two kids, right? Anything on how you progress through your career. I think, I don't know if people at a certain point are like, if they pick up on this, whether they're going through school or whether they're going through like college or whatever, but I feel like certain people are almost tapped for their psychopathy, their sociopathy, and like to get groomed along, you know, to certain spots because Epstein had no real talent, right? He just probably had a proclivity to be, be brutal and be sadistic where others, you know, might not, you know, have the stomach for it. Yeah. And that's what it comes down to, too, is that it's just like, I don't know. I always have this idea too, that maybe these elites have a bigger understanding of the universe than we do. And we look at things like this is right. This is wrong, but maybe they have a bigger understanding that there's, it's a lot more bleak than that because the only reason that things are right or wrong is because of human comprehension. Like in nature, like rape is a common thing as fucked up as that sounds between animals, uh, murdering, well, I don't want to use the term murdering, but like animals kill other animals for food. And that's just like nature and humans set themselves aside differently because we have the capacity to think on a higher level and realize what we're doing. But like maybe these elite high end people, like, like I always like to say that, like there was the three halls of records that explained everything that Atlantis that they talk about, like that was linked with like Atlantis and maybe these elitists found one of those three places and they just understand the whole universe and that's why they just feel like they can do whatever they want to do mm -hmm. is because they realize that there's maybe not necessarily sin like we perceive it to be but i don't know just just kind of like an out there concept that maybe it's just like we're looking at it as good and bad and i'm not yeah. saying it's okay but like they might have a bigger understanding where maybe they don't see it as 
like good or bad, like how we're perceiving it that they're doing. Like we're looking at them like they're some like satanic, crazy fucking people. But it's kind of like that idea too that the villain doesn't see himself as the villain. The villain sees himself as the hero in his own story. Right. I do believe we had like a crucial point. I don't know if it's like a rural civilization, if it's in our country's history or whatever. But I do believe we're at like a tipping point. It's either a great awakening or it's it's the fall. You know, I, I'm very curious. I'm almost kind of excited to live in these times in a weird way. But it's, um, in my opinion, it's, they've gotten everybody so far away from anything good and decent. I think COVID was such a brutal, for me, it was a brutal mindfuck. It completely changed how certain people acted around me. You know, I used to be able to disagree with people in public. And now I find everything being so hostile I find certain people just, you know, with the mask on, like, you know, you can't talk to them. You know that you're not supposed to be near them. You know that there's no social aspect to them. So people are self like dividing right now. And I I 100% believe there's like a Luciferian aspect to this to where we think that we've advanced so far beyond natural law that we can supersede it. And I just really think that's going to be a fatal, fatal move in our existence. I mean, pushing into the whole science agenda too, that also isn't helping because like theoretically with science, you could become God. And then at that point, like you can pretty much do whatever the hell you want, create your own universe in a sense, you know, once you have an understanding of how everything works. And I feel like we're kind of pushing towards that where it's almost like humans are creating our own whole new religion based off of science. And there's faith in science, just like anything else that it's like, people say, oh, this is the data. This is fact. And they don't want to believe something from like a biblical book as being fact. But like, you didn't do those experiments. You didn't see any of the shit for yourself. So you're completely trusting scientists off of blind faith, just like how somebody who's religious would trust a priest off of blind faith. Like there's no difference in my eyes, other than the fact that one can make a way to try to prove their ideas false or true, but any science experiment could easily be manipulated to give whatever answer that person wants to be the answer. I was just going to say, it's like, it's like so disturbing. Like I deal, you know, my job, like we do like a little bit of hard science, but at the same time, it's like the data is only as good as this method. And a lot of these methods are self-generated and it's up to you to like prove this method to like a higher body, like in my line of work. And here it's just, there's none of that going on in modern, modern society. There's no, People don't understand that statistics 101 is that you, it's like a formula. You plug in A plus B and it gets you an output. And whether you're doing true, whether you're doing like gun statistics, whether you're doing like desperate capita, whether you're doing birth rates, like all those can be fudged and fucked and they're all imperfect. Say it's super easy to manipulate numbers, first of all, especially if everybody that's doing the numbers knows that the numbers are being manipulated. There's nobody that's going to call it out as being false at that point. And then uh, just it's very easy also to like load up the deck, so to speak. Like if you're trying to do some type of like demographic where say like you're trying to look like majority of people have like a COVID vaccine or something like that. So like the people that you handpick you say that they're random, but you know, you know that 19 of them are super duper pro vaccine and you're loading it up on purpose to make it look like, Oh, the people that aren't pro vaccine are, you know, only like one in 20, you know, when realistically it could be closer to like 50, 50, but you're just loading, loading it up to fit whatever narrative you're trying to push. Yeah. Just depends on what neighborhood you pull that sample from, you know, like in Albuquerque, like you you can get a whole different, like, 
react like if you go to Rio Rancho and test people for the COVID vaccine, it's gonna be a lot different than whether if you go to like the war zone, which is like you know the impoverished part off of this is the six of the east east side of town. I mean, too, and if it's like a statistic coming from like the CDC, for example, like anybody that's going to go up and talk to the CDC is probably going to be pro-vaccine, where anybody that's anti-vaccine is going to be like trying to avoid the CDC. So it's just like any analysis that they get is automatically biased because the only people yeah. that are going to talk to the CDC are people that are pro-CDC. Everybody else is going to avoid them as much as they can. <laughs> that's true. That's why you see all the election polls being wrong. I mean, yeah, at least the last few years, you see everything being it's all manipulated. It's all for fear mongering at this point. You can't trust any statistic you see on any media outlet anymore. It's and even crazy. just going off of anything digital, like the digital voting, anything like that, like people don't, they're like, oh, it's a safe method. It's a safe method. But like everybody may think that the program's safe, but all it takes is a programmer that adds a little extra tiny little piece into the program and they could completely manipulate the program to do what they need it to do. And it'll look like it's a normal running program. But it's just like, I feel like you can't trust anything that's digital because like it's very easily manipulated because if it's digital and it's a coding, like somebody, somebody's going to figure out how to, how to manipulate it. Like, yeah. like any, any, any type of technology is going to eventually be, there's somebody's going to find a way to manipulate it no matter what way you look at it. Yeah. Private companies have way more secure internet databases than our election system does. Just think about that. Like if you're like a CFR, you know, there's like a certain guideline, like for e-records to be compliant, you know, in a pharmaceutical or food industry. And and yeah, it's insane that there's, I mean, Dominion is getting banned in certain counties out here in New Mexico, finally, but I don't know what to say. I I hate computer voting. We should go back to hand ballots. But. Yeah, I mean, even that, though, that can still be easily manipulated. It has to be one sure. of those things where it's just like, I feel like the only way that you get a solid answered vote, which again, even that, even so, I guess the crowd could still be stacked. But as if you had it like the old school style where everybody goes like, yay or nay, and then everybody like raises their hand, and, <laughs> you know, against or whatever, because then it can't be manipulated. You know exactly what the answer is in front of everybody's eyes. But again, you look at a room full of people and how many of those people could easily say like, Hey, I need you to vote this way and I'll give you a hundred, hundred thousand dollars or something, you know? Oh, and that's what they used to stack that yeah. shit. I mean, they used to, they used to just get people drunk and beat the shit out of them in the late 1800s, you know, <laughs> <laughs> in New York and Chicago, <laughs> just driving around town. Yeah, sure. rest, rest in peace, said girl. And Poe. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, I guess uh, we're starting to get towards the end here, so uh, we can start wrapping it up a little bit. Um, one thing I always like to do is words of wisdom from the guests to the listeners. So, you know, fitting today's topic or just even anything that you like to live by, uh, was, is there some words of wisdom you'd like to give to the listeners? Yeah, sure. Um, recently, with everything going on, like the news could be overwhelming if you're going on Twitter or you're going on the news every day. It's like really hard to think of everything and just like the world is on fire kind of mindset. So one thing I've been doing is I've been trying to get out and volunteer more or even just I've been applying to a lot of places out here in Albuquerque to volunteer. I'm, I've tried to apply to be on the police oversight board. I tried to apply to be some kind of like safety police. Like it's like a safety liaison between police and people and social workers potentially. I'm also like part of like a certain prayer group, you know, it's like kind of a pro-life tilt to it because we have a late term abortion 
clinic out here by the airport that's kind of there's a lot of disturbing shit going on but get local try to make a difference in your neighborhood and like see if that makes a better impact in your life that helps get your attention away from all this definitely agree with that because it seems like it's a common thing amongst podcasters now where everybody just kind of says keep it local because honestly if you want to see change the first place you're going to see change is locally you're not going to see it federally or you know across the entire nation it's going to be small little things with baby steps building up to something no doubt for sure but um also too for uh anybody that doesn't know where to find you would you like to drop your links for them yeah, sure. America Unhinged Podcast. You can find that on podcastindex.org, Spotify, Google, Apple, Player FM, and several others. America Unhinged Radio on YouTube and on Twitter at FreeJerry88. Um, I have a lot of fun on there and I like to see you guys on there. Follow me. So come say hi. Awesome. I really appreciate you coming on the show today and making time to do this, man. No problem, man. This is great. And we'll definitely have to. Uh, do the rounds and uh, come back and do this again. 100%. 100%. So uh, for everybody that's still around, I appreciate you listening. Um, you know, it's always appreciated if you go and give both of us some reviews or ratings because, you know, that kind of stuff is just hits you in the heart. Even if you're, <laughs> you know, hopefully they're good reviews, but, you know, we like getting creative or criticism on all aspects but i'm a troll so i i appreciate a good troll (laughs) (laughs) but either way reviews and ratings always appreciated so if you haven't already done it please give us both a nice reviewer rating or if you want to shit on us do that too because those are always (laughs) also fun but (laughs) but uh i guess i'll catch everybody on the next one have a good night everybody peace